and I don't want us to think like, oh, we're just talking about Christina's experience in this one particular group. A, groups oh, like that yes. exist all over the country. Um, I, go ahead. I, I remember what I was going to say. Um, so when I did leave that group, I went back to my home church. So mm-hmm. the one I grew up in. Which was the same denomination. Mm-hmm, that like okay. encouraged me to go to the program, things like right. that. Um, and kind of the same thing happened. I'd get like, I decided to go under the pastor there and his wife and they would like put me in a room and try to counsel me and show me like what was wrong with me. Right. Basically like a sozo, but like, but this, but never just, never just building you up with like a affirmation of like, man, you were like, we know you struggle with this or this particular area, but you were so good in this. You're so good in this. We want it. We want to encourage you. We want to push you in the things you're doing well at. Instead, it seemed like it was, here's everything that's wrong with you. And this is what we have to beat off of you. Or you're not a good Christian Yeah. or you're not following God. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I feel bad for young people in church. I, I mean, at least in my experience and the people that I was around in the same experience as me, like we just get, yeah, manipulated and used. Like I was the chair pusher and the church cleaner. Sure. And I mean, that's very common. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's, I mean, for young people all yeah. around. And, and in, in that, if those little things are happening, that's not a big deal to me. Like, dude, your teenage boy stacks chairs every Sunday. Big deal. Like big no. deal. Um, but yeah, I'm when, just saying it was always like that for sure. years. Well, like, I mean, so when can I do something else? Churches survive <laughs> off free labor. That's no secret. Sure. Yeah, I mean, volunteering is the lifeblood of churches, which is fine. I don't have any issue with that. Stacking chairs. I mean, they take you know, advantage of us is how I feel. Or for that sure. age. So for me, I know. So outside of the cult experience that you had, because I believe you were in a full-blown for cult. sure. Outside of that, so... The bad kind, by the way. <laughs> there was this moment after my initial kind of like come to Jesus moment, which was probably when I was like 25, something like that, maybe a little younger, where I like, my whole life fell apart. And then I started finding out who Jesus actually was. So I'm probably a year into that journey at this point. Healthy. Healthiest I've ever been spiritually, mentally, emotionally. Like I am on this upward trajectory that I feel like I'm still on today. Like it's, I haven't looked back since that moment. It's only been good. It's only been up. Um, as far as the internal, like things happen around you, but the internal has just been a straight shot up since that point. Still a long way to go, but it's been good since then. So I'm about a year into this and I'm feeling as good as I've ever felt. I've shed so much bad quote unquote behavior, thoughts, thought processes, just like really starting to figure out what it means to follow Jesus and, and like rolling, like flying through it, um, gaining a ton of like biblical knowledge, um, just getting a lot of insight, leading a lot of people at that point. Cause I was still leading worship in, in a college group and like just finding a lot of success in what I felt Jesus was finally starting to push me into once I shed all that religion. Interestingly enough, I was still going to church that was very much dulling out all the religion I was shedding. So that I was like in this weird place, but yeah. I, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. You know, I, I, I wasn't who I am else. now. I don't think I was in a place yet to be self-sustainable as far as like my spiritual journey. So staying in a church just seemed like this is what I need to do. That ended up falling apart at some point. But, um, so I remember being in a service, a very Pentecostal service, by the way. And it, I think it was, it must've been a Wednesday night service or something like that. <clears throat> now I'm a known leader in this church, very well-known leader in this church of about three, 400 people. And, um, I lead worship, I'm leading college groups. Um, I'm for a young person, you know, in their younger twenties, generally respected at this church. 
So this church has a group of ladies. I don't, I mean, it's predominantly ladies. There's probably a couple guys in there that were like their prayer warriors. You know, the <laughs> ones that like if somebody has, you know, cancer or something like that, they pray for. But they also like believe they could cast demons out of people and identify who had a demon and who didn't have a oh, demon. Geez. So I'm up front on a Wednesday night at an altar call, which I'm not going down to the altar anymore because that part of my life was over. I did, I wasn't yeah. crying for Jesus to love me. I was finally in a place where I knew I was loved. And yeah. so I'm down there doing the good, um, uh, I don't know, my, my decent act of service as a Pentecostal young guy. <laughs> and so sometimes in the Pentecostal church, when people go up for prayer at the altar, uh, the pastor or leader will lay hands on somebody and they may fall. Yeah. We could talk about that a whole other time, what that is and why that is. And if it's legit, I have tons of thoughts on that. in the spirit. Right. But at that time, I didn't question it. That's yeah. just what was happening. Sure, sure. So I'm doing the good thing and I'm a well-bodied, strapping young <laughs> man. Them. I could catch people. I could do that. I'm not in the altar. I'm not doing worship for whatever me reason at this time. So, I could, so there's just me and a couple of dudes that, like, you know, and I probably gathered a couple guys with me like, come on, come up. You know, you don't want an old lady smacking her head <sighs> on a pew or something like that. Yeah. So we do that. Not a big deal whatever so i'm up there we're catching people people are praying there's worship happening it's like yeah 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 yeah, whatever so once enough people fall in an altar and like at a certain point the herd gets thin because either people have gotten prayer and they've gone back to their seats or they've fallen out in the spirit and they're just kind of laying in that altar so at a certain point like the leaders that are either praying for somebody um they like they go into like scan mode and they're like trying to find somebody because the, the herd has thinned out. You know, people yeah. either in their seat. So I had a couple of these ladies and I assume they're in their 50s, 60s, walk up to me who know me very well, know that I'm a leader in the church, like know me. And they came up to me and they say, we have identified that you are carrying a spirit of depression. Now, I won't go into too much of what I'd went through a year and a half before, but my life emotionally had completely bottomed out um, to the point where it physically almost killed me. I'm very aware what depression is. I was a subscriber to it for for a really hard season of my life. And I think it almost killed me. Depression, anxiety, uh, just all the yuck that comes with kind of having an emotional and mental breakdown. So I am familiar, deeply familiar. And this is one of the moments that I think kind of started triggering me to like, okay, we got to get out of here at some point. So they come up to me, right? I'm just catching people. Like I'm not crying in an (laughs) altar. I'm not, I'm not even looking for prayer. I'm just there to be helpful. They come up to me and they say, we've identified that you have a spirit of depression or demon, by the way. And I'm like, no. Like I straight up like look, it, it like <laughs> something inside of me like flew out of me like where yeah. I wasn't mean to them, but I was very firm. And I'm like, absolutely not. Like, I don't know why you would think that, but I dealt with this and this has happened in my life and you are not going to claim that over me at all. Like I refuse to hear anything you say. And it wasn't one of those things like, Oh, I think you're struggling with alcohol or it was like, they're trying to put something on me that Jesus absolutely got rid of. Yeah. And there's no way around it. And I think my defense mechanism kicked in and I was like, absolutely not. I don't know if they were bored. 
I don't know if they were just ministry hungry because sometimes in ministry we have to do things in ministry or we don't feel complete in ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they just hadn't hit their demon quota that night <laughs> or like what it was, but they decided to come up to me, someone who absolutely believes, whether it was demonic or not, believes they had had, had fought and won the battle with Jesus in depression, fear and anxiety totally beat that thing and now you're going to come to me a year year and a half later and say oh we identify this in you yeah that's a no-go and i'll tell you what would have happened had i broke down and agreed with them or given it any kind of thought um they would have wanted to put me in classes they would have wanted to put me in counseling they probably would have tried to cast a demon out of me or something like that and it would have just been another form of control Mm -hmm. Um, when there was nothing there, and I cannot emphasize enough how much I knew that I knew that I knew that there was nothing there. Whatever they thought they thought, they were 1 million percent wrong. What did they say after? Well, I, have, I, I shut them down. I think I did it nicely because I knew these ladies and they were friends with like my grandmother and things like that. But I, I shut it down. And then I think the next day I went to the pastor's office and I told him exactly what happened. And he straight up told me, well, sometimes it's hard to identify those things in yourself. He didn't even give thought to the idea that these ladies could be just searching for something. Sure. He immediately defaulted to, you're a young person, so you don't even know if you have a demon or not. Ugh. What? That was the beginning of the end. <laughs> Very quickly. Mm. Now, you know, seven, eight years later, more than that, looking back, I can see there's probably a couple of things happening. A, control, for sure. Mm. Uh, manipulation to control. Um, but then, you know, just people doing stupid things in ministry because they were just taught to, I'm sure those ladies were conditioned to try to find demons in people. hundred percent, but that's probably not a hundred percent accurate. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so there's, there's a lot of things going on. So I would identify that as one of my cult moments for sure. Like you cannot walk around and tell a healthy person they have a demon. Yeah. That is unacceptable Mm -hmm. in any any religion, uh, especially inside of Christianity. And these people, like I said, these were sweet old ladies and they were trained to do that, quote unquote trained. Um, and there's just, and, and once that happened, then there was a myriad of things that started happening of me saying, well, hey, maybe I don't believe in the rapture anymore. I've been reading a lot of books. I've been studying up a lot. Heretic. Oh boy, that was, that was really the end. Maybe not on my end, but once I came out, not even direct opposition because I hadn't really planted my flag in that soil yet. I had just been like, hey, these things don't make sense. Why are we saying this about the book of Revelation when all of these scholars, all of these historians are saying contradictory things? And, and it wasn't like I was saying, you're wrong. I was saying, show me why there's these conflicting ideas here. And I wasn't ever allowed to have that conversation. No leader wanted to have that conversation with me. It was instantly, you are dabbling in heresy. Mm-hmm. That was it. I mean, there was no coming back from that because they were either telling me, abandon everything you are critically thinking about right now, or you're out. Sooner or later, I was out. Like that was that was pretty much it. It's our history with church. I think at that point they were looking for an excuse to get rid of me. Sure. Which was very interesting because I'm I was doing a ton. I was leading a college group. I was leading worship. I mean, I was, mm-hmm. I was doing a lot in that church, all free by the way. Um, and so yeah, and then you know I even had a best friend at that time who we are not friends anymore. Um, who in private conversations with him, I would say, dude, you know what's happening here is wrong. And he would say, I get it. You're right. 
this isn't right, but we need to respect our leaders. We need to believe that that God put them in these positions. And so we should listen and we should respect them. I respect his sentiment, but I disagree wholeheartedly. Yeah. Just because someone has found themselves as the leader of a cult does not mean that God has ordained them to be so. Right. Um, And, and you can't, People want to use like, oh, well, God says that all leadership is, you know, all leadership is ordained by God. Okay, well, we know that's not 100% true, that there are absolutely um, caveats to that rule. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because by that standard, the Antichrist, quote unquote, would be ordained by God. Well, we know he's not leading anybody to Jesus. You know what I'm saying? So we have to understand that there can be bad cult-like religious leaders that exist inside of Christianity and in no way is it your duty to follow them because they are in a leadership position. Mm-hmm. I don't know if people are saying that. You are not obligated by Jesus, the Bible, or God to follow bad leaders. You are not. Yeah. You can have grace for your leaders. You can understand if one of your leaders messes up, makes a mistake, and you can love them and, and all that's fine. But if you have a leader who is openly and actively using Jesus the Bible and or God to manipulate people? Absolutely not. There's no reason for you to follow that leader. Those are not mistakes. Those are decisions they are making on a daily basis in whatever way they're trying to justify them. It doesn't matter what their justification is. If they're using tactics like fear, shame, guilt, manipulation to control people, to get a certain outcome from people, that is not Jesus. That is something else. Yeah. I don't want to say what it is because I'm not qualified to say what that is as far as like, oh, it's demonic. It's, I I don't know. I don't know. I do know it's not Jesus though. And you are under no obligation to follow leaders like that. Am Mm -hmm. I saying throw the whole church thing away? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying, do you maybe need to find better leaders in a better church? Possibly. And there's no shame in that. Let me just, another form of cult-like behavior. And we'll kind of hit this checklist here at the end. Um, this whole idea inside of the church world, and I don't know if it's like this outside of the Pentecostal world, this idea of stealing sheep or church hopping. Oh. <laughs> what is that? That is a good one. <clears throat> That's very culty. Very culty. So I'm not allowed to go be a part of another body of worshipers because yeah. do they worship a different Jesus? They're church hopper. And yeah. You can't be consistent or well, I don't even know. What what is the basis here? Where is that in the Bible? They Show have, me. Church hopping is like a thing that is looked down upon. Absolutely, it's a huge thing that's looked down upon. So explain to me where Jesus says that at all. You have to stay the same church forever, okay? And you have to put up with bad leaders, and you have forever. to put up with manipulation, and you have to put up with control. And if you leave the church or you even think about leaving the church, clearly you are the one with the problem. And then, like we said earlier, and even like switching denominations. Oh, it's the oh, end of the world. Dude, you might as well consider every friend that you have in that church world gone. 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 And not That's even because true. your friends are bad people, because they are going to be guilted, manipulated, and shamed into not speaking to you. It is the equivalent of going through a divorce. You know, like friends <laughs> yeah. pick like they're either going to side with the husband and side with the wife. And almost every divorce, they you split friends. Yeah. And... I feel like it's the same thing. If you divorce your church or go to a different church or denomination, they will, your friends will pick a side. Yeah. I mean, I actually, when I, the church I grew up in, um, we had a pastor for a long time and we had the youth pastor and then like the youth pastor had decided to leave and like start your own church. I mean, I feel like that's like, 
stepping stone for a lot of pastors. Like I'm sure. the youth pastor. Now I'm the head pastor kind of thing. Right. Um, and it literally caused like a church split and they didn't call it like, Hey, we're sending these people to go support him as he's starting his like leadership journey. It was literally like he split the church when he left. We believe in you and we, we respect you as a leader until you're not under our banner yes. anymore. Literally that was like our church split and they called it that. And they're like, he took people like it was all like, that is how they saw it. Okay. So I'll, I'll say this pretty firmly. People do not belong to organizations. People mm -hmm. do not belong to buildings. People belong to Jesus. And if Jesus is where they chose to go, you should have no issue with it. Because yeah. they didn't walk away. Now, I've literally been told when I went to work for a different church than the one that I was leading full-time at for free, when I finally got a paid opportunity to go do that somewhere else, and it felt like it was a natural transition anyway, I was literally told I was walking away from God. <laughs> We're going to a different oh, church, brother. not like some crazy, like snake juggling church, just another denomination. I yeah. went from a Presbyterian, not Presbyterian, a Pentecostal church to a Methodist church. And I was somehow abandoning God. This is what was told to me by leaders. I was walking away from God because I was walking away from their church. Mm -hmm. Man, if that's not hyper dangerous. And I wish I could say, Oh, Lauren, you're just being hypercritical. And yes, you had some really bad leaders or went to some really bad churches. These are stories. Go online, go on Instagram, go on TikTok, go on YouTube, hear Christians talk, or maybe better, hear ex Christians talk. These are not outlying stories. These are a dime a dozen. I, so many people I know my age who have stepped away from the church, we all have very similar stories. And we all mm -hmm. went to different churches in different denominations. But there is this consistent line here. What I don't want to do is try to sound, make it sound like every church is horrible and we should just give up on church. That is not my motivation here. My motivation is hopefully we could, can critique the church enough to start solving some of these yeah. problems. Because I do believe the church, there is a space for a healthy church, for mm -hmm. healthy communities to be a beacon for our, for our towns, cities, states, country. I, I believe that. I just don't see it happening. Yeah. And that's what makes me so angry and so upset. Mm -hmm. And then when I talk to other people who I didn't grow up with or grew up states away or half a country away, I see people on TikTok and they live and, and are had totally different life experiences than me. But yet there's this common thread of church manipulation, control, guilt, shame, fear that runs through almost all of these stories. Yeah. I have to start asking myself, is there something bigger at play here? Mm-hmm. I know I've been to multiple church services and seen preachers online talk about like, oh, this deconstruction movement and oh, the millennial generation is walking away from God. And now the Gen Z is generation is just going to follow right behind them. And they're trying to place all the blame on the people who decided to walk while there may be cases of people walking away from Christianity or God even. Let's just say that one or the other, or maybe both. You cannot control what an individual does with their life. At the end of the day, God granted them with free will. And if they decide to be an atheist, they decide to be a Muslim or a Buddhist or a Christian or agnostic, you cannot control that. You can befriend people, you can love people, but you cannot control and manipulate those people. That is just wrong on every level. So what we can't do, the problem we can't solve is the people who are walking away 
because they just don't feel like it anymore or because they're ticked off or whatever. They, we can't control that. What we can control as Christians, or at least we need to start understanding we can control, is we can call out the systems that are hurting people. That should be non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, and I think it's becoming less and less, which this is a good thing, for some reason growing up in church, those systems were untouchable. You yeah. could not critique 100%. those systems because you were the yeah. problem. If you critiqued the, your pastor, your church ethics, uh, anything that was happening outside of like an absolute moral collapse, like the you know there's embezzlement yeah. or the you know there's a divorce or cheating or something like that happening or abuse, outside of something totally morally collapsing, you were not allowed to speak to any kind of corruption that was happening uh, because you were basically named an enemy of the church at that point. Mm -hmm. And then it's only a matter of time, either they're going to punch you down to where you fall back in line or you're going to bounce. You're either going to leave or they're going to push you out. That, that is the scenarios that, that happened. So, um, I wish I could say that these are just our stories, which they are our stories and they are unique to us as far as like the particulars. Sure. However, how many people do we know in our age bracket who have had so many similar circumstances and we grew up half a country away, 1,200 miles away, yeah. and the stories are so eerily familiar? Um, that's a systematic thing. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And, and I think that's what has to be said first and foremost. I guess I could say it like this. I do believe that the church, and by, by the church I mean the body, the, the greater organization of Christians, I do believe that the church was established by Jesus to be a solution for the world around it. I believe that wholeheartedly. I've not walked away from that idea. I, I can't say that all organized religion is stupid and that it's bad because healthy Christianity is healthy. It's good. The problem is I just don't see too much of it anymore. And it's like, oh, well, every church has its problems, brother. Or, you know, you know, pastors aren't perfect and it's leaders aren't perfect. People. We cannot make excuses for the system. Yeah. We can't do it. Look, someone like a Carl Lentz, we can look at that situation and be like, dude, what the heck? Like, yeah. what is going on here? I can't believe that would happen. You seem like a good guy. You're a great teacher. You're charismatic. You're attractive. Like, you got the full package, man. <laughs> and and you got, it seems like you have a great family. Your wife is, you know, attractive. Uh, she looks young. She's very hip. Your kids look awesome. You look like you have a good relationship. And then, boom, moral collapse. And we're all just like, oh, my gosh, Carl Lentz, I can't believe. We can have grace for that individual. And we should have grace for that individual. Not to say anything he did was correct or right at all. We should have grace for the individual, though. However, and I cannot, I need to go back and listen to the, our podcast and the videos that I did on Carl Lentz, because I'm pretty sure that I said when things like this happen at the top, it's not because it's just one leader. And look what just happened. Hillsong on a global level is being exposed right now. There's a whole documentary that got released about the organization of Hillsong. Two pastors have resigned. Already. And I watched the, I think somebody correct me on this if I'm wrong, the Atlanta chapter of Hillsong is leaving Hillsong. They're dropping their name and they're just doing their own thing because they don't want to be a part of that anymore because they didn't even know how corrupt some of the systems that, Mm -hmm. that were happening at play. What I'm saying is we can have grace for the individual, but we should never have grace for the systems that hurt people. And I think we can pull that right from Jesus' playbook. If you look when Jesus speaks one-on-one with a Pharisee, think of like Nicodemus or there's a couple other you know, yeah. examples. He has grace for these people. He's like, dude, you are not in a good position right now. Some of the things you're doing and thinking and acting and how you're hurting people is not good. Here's what the kingdom looks like. Okay, so Jesus had grace 
for these individual leaders who were off base. However, when Jesus walks into something like a temple where the system itself is exploiting people, he starts flipping tables. He starts whipping people. He goes off because he's attacking the system, not a particular person. This is why Jesus never declared war on Caesar. This mm-hmm. is why Jesus never de- declared war on Caiaphas, the, 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 the head Pharisee of that time. His bone to pick wasn't with the individuals, even though these individuals may have been doing, and, and arguably were, doing horrible things. He didn't even yeah. have a bone to pick with uh, the pilot, yeah. the dude who allowed him to be crucified. He did have a bone to pick with the systems that were at play. Mm-hmm. So I think there is not, I don't, I need to change my language here because I, and I, I got to find a better way to, to say this. I don't, I don't want to say there's biblical precedent here because you got to be very careful when we're saying biblical because a lot of things can be wrapped up. There's Jesus precedent here to not attack an individual who's maybe doing all the wrong things, but there's absolutely Jesus precedent to attack the systems that are hurting people. Because you're not attacking an individual person. Now, if an individual person gets upset because you're attacking their system, well, they're just kind of showing their colors here, right? Yeah. They're just admitting I'm a part of the system and I'm here to protect it. Um, so I know that's a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I think those are things we have to think about when looking at the larger uh, scope of Christianity. Anything else specifically story-wise before we just kind of finish up this checklist? I have a couple things I just wanted to read on like what a cult is and how no. we can identify. So what was the first one? The first one was, man, no, I can't even remember. I remember second behavior modification. Third is like, you can't leave. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah. So one of the points, I'm not going to put them in order because my brain's not working like that right now. But one of the points was, yes, if you are in a system or a group of people and it is absolutely unacceptable by that system or group to walk away, to leave, to go to another church, another denomination, even just help. you may have an issue, <laughs> yeah. right? If they're, if they're saying this is the only place... Yeah. You can fully walk out your Jesus life and experience. You might be in a cult. Mm-hmm. You remember the Jeff Foxworthy? You might be a redneck. <laughs> no, I don't. Oh remember. man, you're a little too young for that. When I was a, <laughs> when I was a kid, Jeff Foxworthy had a, a stand up, and he was pretty clean. I can't even remember if he swore or anything like that because I remember listening to like tapes in the car when I was like you know road trips and stuff like that. But he had this whole thing. I'll show it to you afterwards. Uh, he had this whole joke of like you might be a redneck, and he would just tell these one or two line jokes of like. If you, um, you know, if you pull up to your friend's house and they have um, a refrigerator and a part of an engine and a carburetor in their front yard, they might be a redneck. Like those (laughs) kind of things. They just very short and simple. Uh, And so this is kind of like my version of like, if you're experiencing these things, you might be in a cult. (laughs) You may be in a cult. Um, So yeah, if they won't let you leave, if the only place that you're being told that you can actually walk out your Christian experience is there and only there, you might be in a cult. Yeah. Um, if they are intent on behavior modification and you are not doing anything that would qualify as quote unquote sin, at least not in the sense where Jesus would call it sin, because once again, you can use the Bible to say whatever you want. Right. And if they are telling you, you can't worship Jesus if you wear a hat, you can't worship Jesus unless your ankles are covered, you can't, all the things, right? You can't worship Jesus unless you identify as Republican. Like if they start doing all of these things and try to modify your behavior outside of the scope of what Jesus would do, you might be in a cult. Yeah. What's the first one? Why can I not remember what the first one was? I cannot remember it either. Anyway, so I'm going to go through a list here. So I actually pulled up like a really cool article on like what cults are and how they work. Um, So one of the first things uh, that you need to have a cult is you need a charismatic leader. 
Now, that's not to say that if you have a charismatic leader, you are automatically in a cult. What I'm saying is cults are typically defined by their charismatic leaders. People are drawn to a certain, right. uh, People are drawn to a certain personality, a certain type of person. Maybe they show strength. Maybe they show empathy. Maybe they show higher intellect. Maybe they have a secret that only they know. I'm thinking of the Mormons. Uh, You know what I'm saying? So there's a charismatic leader that people are drawn to. Now, once again, just because you are at a church with a charismatic leader does not mean you're in a cult. However, Mm -hmm. this is one of the ingredients you need to make a cult. If we're making a cult salad right now, I'm giving you the ingredients. Got it. Number two, you need a transcendent belief system. You need a belief system that can take someone from their average state of being, and you need to elevate that to, if you believe this, then you will have transcended your humanity. Christianity. Right. Now, to be fair, Christianity... Buddhism is especially uh, Muslim, like pretty much every religion is going to have a transcendent element to it. Sure. Even uh, what's the the Zenu and the Scientology, even mm-hmm. Scientology has a transcendent element. Once again, just because your religion, your type of Christianity has a transcendent element does not make it a cult, but you do need a transcendent element or belief system in your cult salad to make all this work. So I'm just, I'm, I'm throwing things out there for you just to get an idea. Now, typically, where a cult would start to show its colors is this transcendent belief system is locked behind some door. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean like, accept Jesus and you will start to learn what the kingdom is. I don't mean that. It is either locked behind a monetary door, like Scientology. Mm-hmm. The amount of money you have to pay into Scientology to quote unquote transcend to those levels is absurd. That's why a lot of rich people are in Scientology. Yeah. So it's either locked by that or it's... Uh, locked behind a behavior system. And I don't mean like stop, stop smoking, stop drinking, stop swearing, stop sleeping around, stop being a sinner. I don't mean that. It's act specifically the way we're telling you to act or you cannot transcend. Mm-hmm. So it's it's locked behind behavior modification. Or it's locked behind following that charismatic leader. If you do not follow this charismatic leader, you cannot ascend. You cannot transcend what you are in. I mean, that is cult 101. Like mm-hmm. most cults follow a leader who says, if you do not follow me to the T, you cannot transcend. Yeah. You know, you cannot get outside of, you know, what you are now. Number three. So that's that was number two in the cult salad we're making. Number three. Systems of control. This is probably the biggest one. Now, here's where you're going to really start identifying where the cults happen, what's healthy religion and what's cult-like behavior. Systems of control. Now, when a preacher gets up on a Sunday morning and he says, murdering people is bad. The Bible, Jesus doesn't like murder. I do not believe that is a system of control. Mm -hmm. They are taking our religious texts. They are taking Jesus. And you and every scholar I've ever known would not argue with the idea that murder is bad. Obviously, there's some exceptions like war and self-defense and things like that. But for the most part, murder inside of Christianity is bad frowned upon. It's bad. Right. So in saying that, that is not a system going outside of its religious text to control you. That is just them telling you our scriptures, our Jesus, our God doesn't like murder. Right. And now there's a lot of gray areas, right? Because there are a lot of religions who say drinking is bad. Alcohol is really bad. And if you do this, you are sinning. However, I don't think on a scholarly level, you could prove that to the nth degree to say that this is bad. Now, drinking outside of moderation, like there's a lot of gray to that. What I'm saying is, 
I think you start dabbling in the cult-like behavior when you get outside of the, let's call it orthodox belief system of the basics. Once you start getting outside of that, using it as a form of control, that's when you're in cult territory. So for example, um, you know, we know that God and Jesus honor marriage. That's very biblical. Any scholar will say that marriage is a good, healthy thing when two consenting adults get married and they love each other and they want to pour Jesus into each other and then they want to have children and do the same thing. That is good. The Bible has deemed that as good. God has deemed every scholar would say that. I haven't heard one say the opposite of that. And I'm just using very basic things because I know there's a lot of gray things in Christianity, mm -hmm. but I'm using these hardline things that pretty much all of us would agree to regardless right. of what domination you're in. Marriage is good. However, when you have two people like you and I sitting down in front of pastors and them telling us, God said it's not his will for you to get married or for you to be together. That is what now what they're doing is they're going outside of the orthodox understanding of Christianity and marriage being a good thing, relationships being a good thing when healthy. They are now deciding that we are not healthy enough individually and together to pursue a relationship together. So they are exercising a system of control that is outside of the biblical norm to get you and I to act and respond in a certain way. That would be a system of control. Mm -hmm. Now that's going to look different for everybody. That's mm -hmm. going to look different depending on what denomination you're in and what those particular belief systems are. Um, because if you, you know, I guess technically if you're reformed, you don't believe you have any free will anyway. So you can't be controlled because you were predestined to be controlled from the fear. Anyway, I don't want to dive into all that, but um, it'll look different. But you need to be able to identify if you are questioning if your church or leaders have cult-like behavior, if they are using behavior modification that is outside of the norm of what Jesus says. And I'll leave it there. I'll just leave it with Jesus because you can use the Old Testament to prove any or you know try to prove anything. Mm -hmm. If it's outside of the of what Jesus would say and or do, and they're using that as a system of control for your behavior or your thought processes, you might be in a cult. So that's number three. Number four, systems of influence. So what this means is inside of this group of believers, they are going to have systems set up, which if you think about it, the church has nailed this, especially the modern non-denominational church. They have nailed this in the past 10 years. Think of connect groups. Think of, think of all these things, these programs inside of... Now, I'm not saying these things are bad. What I'm saying yeah. is these are built as systems of influence. We want to keep you in our Apple ecosystem because we want to continue to influence your thoughts, mm -hmm. your behaviors, where you put your money, where you don't put your money, what movies you let your kids watch, yeah. and so on and so on and so on. So having systems of influence is not in and of itself cult-like behavior. However, to make this cult salad we're making, you do need systems of influence. You need somebody to be in a group of people that believe certain things, certain behaviors are correct or incorrect, and then you need a system that perpetuates these ideas consistently. You're yeah. hearing it every Sunday. You're hearing it every Wednesday. It's on their Facebook post. Mm -hmm. Whatever all those things are, you need a system of influence to constantly be pumping into people. Now, like I said, churches are built on this. Churches have systems of influence in place. So that in and of itself does not make them a cult. However, you do need that particular ingredient to uh, be in cult territory. Those are the big four. Those okay. are the big... Can you think of any other things that were like, hey, if I see this in a church, that's probably not a good sign? Not outside of the things we talked about. Okay. That I can think of right now. Yeah, I, I think... 
I think the moment, my biggest thing is, and oh, this, this is number one, and I'll go back to number one. We can kind of close with this, this idea. Critical thinking. Oh, yes. The moment you have a church who wants to suppress your ability to think critically, you should have red flags go off. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always go back to this. I, somebody commented on one of my Facebook posts the other day. I can't remember exactly what I posted. But, uh, oh, we were talking about deconstruction and how I don't believe it's a bad thing because I do believe deconstruction uh, can be an avenue just to critical think and mm-hmm. to reassess. Not necessarily, I mean, for some people, it's reassessing the whole package, God, Jesus, the whole thing. For a lot of us, though, it's a reassessment of the systems we were raised in. And um, <clears throat> I had somebody post on my Facebook. They said, oh, well, you know, the people that I've seen do this always end up in really unhealthy spaces. A, there's something we call anecdotal. Anecdotal just means I have a friend who it's, it's a one off. Yeah. It's not their a their only experience. With right. It. <laughs> it is a very limited scope of experience. And it's not an indicator of the largest thing, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. you know, um, and so when I hear people say that, like, oh, I know a guy who who deconstructed and now he's like an atheist and he murders people. <laughs> well, okay, but that's not that is not the deconstruction movement. That sounds like that guy had some issues yeah. in particular and just happened to either use the word deconstruction or be a part of that, but there was larger issues at yeah. play here. What I found typically is people who are deconstructing are really trying to deconstruct the systems that are at play. The uh, what we talked about, the systems of influence. They're trying to deconstruct the systems of control. Uh, maybe they're deconstructing the trans- transcendent belief system they were given, or maybe they're deconstructing their charismatic leadership or the thing they fell in love with at first. Maybe it's their church. Maybe it's not even a particular pastor. Maybe it's just the idea of church they're deconstructing. Mm-hmm. So, but the moment we start saying. Thinking critically is dangerous, red flag should go off. And, and what I put in that Facebook post is I, I let this guy, or I told this guy, he's like, oh, I don't know, man. I think we should just avoid deconstruction. It seems like a really unhealthy movement inside Christianity and blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know, that's interesting. Yeah, I wasn't argumentative with him at all. And I said, but I wonder, and I always go back to this, I wonder if that's how the Catholic Church felt about the Protestant Reformation. Because arguably, if you're listening to this podcast right now, I'm assuming, I'm just going out on a limb, that you are not Catholic. And if you are Catholic, awesome. Glad you're here. Uh, But I would assume that most people who are digesting this uh, are not of the Catholic persuasion. When the Protestant Reformation rolled around, man, I want to say it was in the 1500s, and I can't remember. When Martin Luther walked up to the church on All Hallows, was it All Hallows Day? Was it All Saints Day or Eve? I can't remember. He either did it on Halloween or the next day. He either did it on October 31st or November 1st. I can't remember which one because they're, they're closely related. Anyway, Martin Luther, uh, who was a monk, a failed um, uh, college student, university student. Uh, this guy's a really interesting dude. Wasn't perfect. But he identified a lot of issues that were happening inside of the Catholic Church, indulgences being one of those, selling tickets to heaven or, you know, selling tickets to for your dead relatives Gee. to get into heaven and, and financially doing that. That was one of the big ones. But there was a lot of things and a lot of corrupt systems that were at play inside of the Catholic Church that day. So I'm assuming if you're listening to this and you're not Catholic and you are some type of Christian, you have directly benefited from Martin Luther and the Protestant Reformation. The reason I bring that up is there was a system at play, i.e. the Catholic Church, which was pretty much the church at that time. Mm-hmm. There was a system at play that, if it had its way, would have crushed 
the Protestant Reformation. I mean, they tried. Sure. People died. Wars yeah. were fought over this Reformation. Um, and if the Catholic Church, the, the systems that be at that time would have had their way, they would have crushed this. We wouldn't say it now, and they wouldn't have said it then, but I think there's a hard argument to be made that the Protestant Reformation was really just a deconstruction of the Catholic Church. That's all it was. They were looking at the systems at play, Martin Luther specifically, and then it grew into a lot more people. They were looking at the religious systems at work that claimed to follow Jesus and God, and they said, there's way too much corruption, manipulation, control happening here. We can't go on like this anymore. So he nails his, I think it was 95 reasons why the Catholic Church is essentially the devil and then boom it started war now you had the printing press and and everything happening at that time so they're able to um a translate the bible into a language that the common person could read which is a huge thing because think about it before that the catholic church controlled the flow of information Mm -hmm. when we talk about i think it was point number uh Four systems of influence. If you don't have a person who can read the Bible and all they can do is hear the the priest up front tell you what God and Jesus is saying, here's where the system of influence and control come into play because we know they were being people were being manipulated left and right. I mean, they were selling tickets to heaven, like literally. So we know that manipulation was happening through these systems of influence. I believe it's totally a God thing that someone like a Martin Luther stood up right around the time that the printing press made the Bible readable in the common language. Mm-hmm. I totally believe that's a God thing. If that's a that's a perfect storm that the church of their day could not kill. Yeah. It, it grew like wildfire and it caused a lot of wars and problems and it wasn't pretty. Um, but if you were listening today, you are a byproduct of what I would call Protestant deconstruction. Sure. Protestant literally means in protest too. Yeah. That you are a Protestant. You, if you are not Catholic, you are a descendant of a protest against the Catholic church. <sighs> that is what it means to be a Protestant yeah. to protest. Um, and so I guess the whole point of that, and that I was trying to explain to the guy on Facebook the other day is that we can look at deconstruction now and say, oh man, we can't start looking at churches like cults. We can't, that's dangerous. We can't start pointing fingers at the systems and all that. Okay. I understand why that makes a lot of people nervous. It makes me nervous. And I've been doing it for a couple years now, but think of where we'd be today if something like the Protestant Reformation ever happened. You and I would probably be saving months and months of our salaries to buy a ticket to heaven. And hopefully we made it. And I'm not, I'm not down in the Catholic church at all. They, they just like all other forms of religion have their, their pros and cons. This isn't a bash on Catholicism. I'm just saying there was a moment in, in our, a very significant moment. I would argue maybe the most significant out the moment outside of Jesus and the early church was the Protestant Reformation where I don't think it's a stretch to say that was a deconstruction. Mm-hmm. of the faith and the systems that were happening at that time. So I don't think we should be afraid today to look at our systems and call out cult-like behavior. Am I saying that every church in you know modern America is a cult? Absolutely not. Am I saying that every church is the worst thing ever? Absolutely not. Am I saying that there are unhealthy systems at work that we know? I mean, there's a whole documentary right now, a quote unquote secular documentary exposing one of the largest church church organizations, i.e. Hillsong, especially in the kind of Pentecostal world where we see corruption running rampant. And it's not just one pastor. It's 
pastors globally that all kind of subscribe to this ideology. And they all have their different issues and it, and it shows up in different forms. And I'm not saying that just because a church has a bad leader, you should pack up and run away. What I am saying is we have to, if, if we really care about the Christianity that our children are going to consume in the next 10, 15, 20 years, and maybe even our grandchildren, if we really care about what they're going to digest as far as Christianity is concerned, it seems like we should start paying more attention to these systems that are cult-ish inside of Christianity. You do not have to juggle snakes to be in a cult in 2022. You do not have to drink Kool-Aid to be in a cult in 2022. You do Mm -hmm. not have to be on these extreme levels. Look at Westboro Baptist. Yeah. I would say they are a straight up cult. Now, most Christians don't like Westboro Baptist at all. They think what they do is crazy. It's insane. However, what Westboro Baptist does, they believe is totally biblical. And they will hold signs with scripture on it. Yeah. To prove their point. And this is why I say once again, man, we can't, you can't just say, oh, it's biblical because Westboro Baptist, what they do, they believe it's biblical. <laughs> sure. um, if you don't know who Westboro Baptist is, give it a little Google. Go, go on YouTube. <laughs> Enjoy your night. <laughs> Maybe get some coffee or a beer or something. You're going to need something because uh, it is, <laughs> it is a something. journey. I think there was a cool documentary about Westboro Baptist as well. But I guess the whole point of all this is. I'm not here to tear down churches. I'm not here to tear down Christianity. I do believe at the core of me that Jesus established the church to be a beacon to the rest of the world. However, I do not believe that can happen if we ignore the systems that actively hurt people. I do not think you are a bad Christian if you call those systems out. Now, tact is a huge thing here. I had to learn this and I've been learning it for years and years and years. How you say what you say matters. Um, Another way to say it is you can be right the wrong way mm-hmm. you can mm-hmm. have all the right ideas and opinions but you can come at it like a jerk and be wrong yeah. so we have to tread lightly but that does not mean we don't tread that doesn't mean that we can't call out these systems if you got to take a pastor or a leader in a back room or to a coffee shop one day and be like hey man what's happening here i don't think is jesus and have a heart to heart with them and then run them through this filter you know if you if make your own checklist by all means but if you don't feel free to use ours are there systems that can are are there to just control and manipulate people? Are they using fear, shame, and guilt to control people? Um, you know, go through our checklist. Or do, do they suppress critical thinking? If you go through that checklist and there are more cons than pros on your list, only you can decide if it's time to walk. Sure. I can't make that decision for you. No one can make that decision for you. Only you can decide. However... Do not be afraid to make that decision if you believe it's the right one because you think you're going against God. Mm -hmm. And I think that is one of the biggest things that I've seen people going through their deconstruction, uh, questioning bad practices in the church with their leaders or or systematically. People are so scared and have been taught, because I was taught this, that going against any sort of church leader and or system is to be in opposition with God. Yeah. If that's true then Jesus was in opposition with God because Jesus bucked the church of his day. Yeah. We know that's not true. Right. Um, another verse that comes to mind and Jesus says, you know, you are a, I think it's the same, same verse. If it's, if it's not, it's in the same bucket of verses. Um, he says, you're a light on a hill, but who puts their light under a bushel basket? Who puts a light on a hill and then puts a basket over it so no one can see it? To me, Jesus and the church he established is the light on the hill. That's what it's supposed to be. That's what it was always supposed to be. Bad religion and systems are the basket. We put that over there. 
And then we wonder why people are leaving Christianity in droves. This is not a secret anymore. I hope that like people who are listening to this, I hope you get this. Like <laughs> this is not a secret. Yeah. People are not leaving Christianity because people are worse today than they were 50 yes. or 100 years ago. People are people. They've been sinning. We've been stupid since the day we were born. Since Adam and Eve, people have been stupid. We've also been awesome because God created us to be awesome. So we're this mix of awesome and stupid. Um, some of us more than others. Um so, but what we can't do is say like, oh, and I've heard pastors preach this message straight up. The world is getting worse and it's a sign of the end times because look how many people are leaving Christianity. It's the great falling away. It is not the great falling away. Your systems are broken and people are done with it now. Now, the sad part to me that this is what keeps me up at night is the people who are leaving these broken systems who've been manipulated, shamed, hurt punished all these different things what hurts me is when they don't find a home and i don't mean Mm -hmm. a church i don't mean a building yeah i mean when they have basically become spiritual refugees they are now searching and a lot of them just give up and say then i I guess i don't belong anywhere yeah i would say the beautiful thing about 2022 is man you do not need to be in a building anymore to experience healthy community yeah for sure go on facebook go on youtube Go on TikTok. It's go on Instagram. It is everywhere. And I hate to be kind of like the millennial pushing the digital space, but it's there. You can find like-minded people who want to help you grow. Mm -hmm. Now, on the other side of this, you need to understand that there are people who are just hurt out there Mm -hmm. by the church and they are not interested in helping you grow. They are not interested in helping you find out who Jesus really is. They're just hurt. Mm-hmm. And they're going to throw shade at everything you got as far as like, if you say, well, you know, I left the church, but I still think, you know, Jesus is a viable option. I really like his teachings. Well, you're stupid because, you know, the whole thing's fake and the Bible was made up and then they'll give you a laundry list of things mm-hmm. that they researched. They're just angry. They're just hurt. And I feel for those people. But some of them, by their own admission, just may be too far gone. Some of them, and man, grace to them. You know, that mm-hmm. this is where I believe Jesus just has to have amounts, amounts of grace. Because think of how many people are out there spiritually dying. I don't mean heaven and hell. I just mean spiritually dying because the church hurt them. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. That sucks because those people don't deserve it. They didn't mm-hmm. deserve to be hurt. They didn't deserve to go through a cult-like experience like you did. You just happened to land on your feet. Mm-hmm. So many people don't. Yeah. And for those people, a lot of them, there's a majority, maybe not a majority, There's a portion of them that are just angry. They're Mm -hmm. upset and they're hurt and they don't even want to see truth because they just want their hurt to be justified and validated. And to those people, I say, I'm sorry, that sucks. Um, I'd be glad to have a conversation with you any day of the week. You're not going to offend me. You're not going to hurt my feelings. But I think it's also worth noting, be careful who you run to. Be careful the communities you join because there are people out there who are just angry. And Mm -hmm. you need to know that. They're not there to help you grow. They're not there to help you. They're just there to push their agenda, which is Jesus... God, the Bible, church is all garbage because my experience. Yeah. That seems a little unfair. Seems a little heavy handed to me. But at the same time, I understand how they could have ended up there because they've just been hurt. So I'm not saying you're in a cult. I'm also not saying you're not in a cult. <laughs> I think you need to uh, evaluate that. that. I guess that's the whole point of this podcast. As we wrap up here and we're right at the two hour mark, we split these in two. Um, I think... What I'm trying to say today is you need to evaluate this. Mm -hmm. You also need to not be blind to it. We cannot go through our Christian existence just being like, oh, laissez-faire, nothing's wrong. There's a lot wrong, guys. There's a lot wrong with our Christian experience. Maybe 
you happen to be one of the few individuals who is going to a super healthy church and there is no systems of manipulation and control. And there's, there's not all these things we've been talking about today. If you are one of those people, dude, you won the lottery. I'm just straight up telling you, you won the lottery because in all my experience and all the experience of people I talk to from the numbers and statistics we see from the millennial generation leaving the church in droves, you are the minority. If you happen to find yourself in a very healthy church, does that mean if you believe you're a part of an unhealthy church, you should just walk away? No, that's not necessarily what it means, but you have to decide what you're going to do with this information. You have to be able to identify first, am I a part of something that looks less like Jesus and more like a cult? If so, now what? Do I leave? Do I try to push back against those systems? Do I try to be an undercover agent here? And I try to influence these systems from the inside gradually and slowly. There's a million different ways you can tackle this information and decide what your role needs to be in this. Mm -hmm. However, pretending there's not a situation will get you nowhere we have family members who just straight up like i don't think there's an issue i don't think there's an issue and boom an explosion happens and like oh there was a lot of issues (laughs) like but we were blind to it because they didn't want to believe what was happening in front of them or it was hidden enough from them where they Mm -hmm. couldn't see behind the curtain um not their fault i guess the point i'm trying to make is you have to make it a choice you have to make a personal choice to say i want to be aware so, yeah. If I'm if I am a part of this, the worst worst case scenario is you do this evaluation of where you're at, where your 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 pastor. You don't have to go sit down and interview these people. You could just think for a moment, take a week, <laughs> sit down with some coffee, get your journal out, and just write some things down. Here's some experiences I had. Here's some experiences my friends or family had at the same you know church or religious group that I'm in. And begin to kind of make that list and say, okay, do I believe there's a greater issue here? Or am I one of the lucky ones who's actually at one of these good churches? Once you have this information and you can look at it objectively, now you have to decide what you're going to do with it. And I can't tell you what to do with it. No one can really tell you what to do with it. You can hear other people's experiences and maybe take a page out of other people's book. But at the end of the day, you are responsible for your own spiritual well-being. That is straight up Jesus. You are the one who decides how your soul lands. In saying that, if you identify that maybe there's some cult-like behavior that you're uh, ingesting, and maybe your kids are ingesting, it is now up for you to make that decision. What do I do with this information? Do I push back? Do I walk? Do I try to be a positive influence? But I will tell you, and this is probably not what anybody wants to hear right now, doing nothing does nothing. I know that sucks and it's scary because stepping off that cliff is a big deal. Yeah. But doing nothing will gain you nothing. If Mm -hmm. you believe you are a part of unhealthy uh, Christian experience, being silent because you want to be the peacemaker, which by the way, this is another thing that was just rammed into me when I was younger by one of my pastor friends. Oh man, you're right. Like things that are happening here in this church aren't good, um, but we need to respect our pastors. And Jesus says we need to be peacemakers. What? (laughs) What? I get it, man. Like I get it. Avoid confrontation when confrontation is avoidable, but Jesus 
by all accounts, when he's flipping tables, when he's calling Pharisees broods of vipers, when he's bucking up against the system multiple, multiple, multiple times, when he's standing in front of a naked woman saying, throw your stones in, guys, he's doing all of these things, he is not being a peacemaker. Can we establish that? That there is a time to be a peacemaker and there is a time to stand up for people who are being oppressed. And whether you want to realize it or not, whether we want to admit it or not, if someone is under cult-like manipulation, control, fear, shame, all that, if someone is using Jesus to harm people and or the Bible to harm people and control people and manipulate them, they are oppressing them. Straight up. There's just no way around it. Being silent when people are being oppressed is not Jesus. It's not. Now, Mm, you want to get slapped in the face and turn the other cheek. You are more than welcome to do that. And I would agree with you. I, I, I typically choose passivism when it comes to my personal individual self. Um, and even shots against my wife, uh, and even maybe even my kids, somebody could say something mean or to one of us in our family. And I think I would more likely sit down with my family and say, dude, what they said sucked and it's not right, mm-hmm. but we're not going to fight them. That's, that's not, yeah. there will be no benefit there. However, if I see a group of people being manipulated and talked down to being oppressed, whatever those things are. I would be way more likely to speak out because it wouldn't be on my own behalf. It would be on the behalf of others. And in that, I think that's the Jesus move. Jesus literally was on trial for something he was not guilty of. And what does it say? He said nothing. Jesus was not concerned about defending himself. However, Jesus was very concerned about defending other people who were being oppressed, especially spiritually and emotionally oppressed. Yeah. Uh, So I hate to say it just one more time to reinforce it. Doing nothing will do nothing. Not saying you're sinning, not saying you're going to hell. I'm just saying you by by actively doing nothing, we are we are saying I do not want to be a part of the solution. Now, what that something is you do, like I said, that's your call. You have to decide what that looks like. And only you can decide that. I can't tell you, no one can tell you what that looks like. But doing nothing will do nothing. And I think that's if I have any regrets, it would be that that I stood by too long and watched it happen. And honestly, I think that would be a <clears throat> a critique of leaders in my age bracket right now in the Christian world. We are watching a massive exodus in our millennial generation from the church because people like me stood by for too long and let it happen. Or maybe my father's generation is probably a mix of both. Now I think we have an opportunity to right the ship and say, and it's not going to happen overnight. And it's not going to happen. Dude, I mean, look at the Protestant Reformation. It was a mess. People died. <laughs> like, it was bad. And I don't think Jesus loves any of that, the mess it created. Um, but for a moment in history, we were able to rid ourselves of a lot of the religious systems that were oppressing people. Now, fast forward, you know, 500, 600 years later, we just replace those with different systems that oppress people. And that seems to be the human condition. So, but I don't want it, I don't want it to seem like, well, it doesn't matter what we do because in 500 years, it's just going to be bad anyway. Again, right. we can't do that. We can't, we can't fix that. We're not going to be here in 500 years. We can do now though. Mm-hmm. And so I would say doing nothing will get you nothing. Um, but I, I think thinking critically and looking at your situation spiritually is, I think that's, that's our duty. I think, honestly, I think it's our duty as Christians to say, I'm not okay with religious systems under the guise and mask of Jesus hurting people. And now we have to decide what we do with that information. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, 
I think thinking critically and looking at your potentially cult-like situation <laughs> uh, could be important. And I, and I hope sure. I'm not being too um, on the nose with that. Like, I'm not saying everybody's in a cult. I'm not saying Christianity in and of itself is a cult. Some people would say that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, though, if you're in an unhealthy church, there may be signs of cult-like behavior. And I think that's what we're talking about today. Yeah. If, if you're in an unhealthy situation, here's some things you might need to start looking at. And really just like, hey, man, I because I, I can 100% say, and I think you would say this too, uh, I was raised in a, in a branch of Christian cultism. Sure. Yeah. And I'll just throw this out there real fast just because I'm feeling divisive today. I think Christian nationalism is a brand of cult. <laughs> I think it's, and I I don't want to get too much into the politics of this, but like Jesus does not love America any more than any other country. Straight up, won't find it in your Bible. (laughs) Um, But there's a lot of preachers, go on TikTok right now, look up Patriot Church. If you're bored tonight, look up Patriot Church. Oh boy, you will have a good time. Um, And I'm I'm not picking on like conservatives and I'm not picking on a specific um, political ideology. What I'm saying is we can't use Jesus to, to push our politics. That's bad. That's manipulation. That's mm-hmm. cult-ish. Yeah. So I would say Christian nationalism, without a doubt in my mind, at least how I've seen it exercised, uh, is absolutely cult-like behavior. Um, and we got to put a stop to it. Straight mm-hmm. up. We got to push back because it's not good. Because if we allow it to happen, our children will be the receivers of that. That is my biggest concern. I don't want to see my children and grandchildren grow up in the same toxic Christianity I was raised in. Yeah. I don't want our children and grandchildren sitting in a ring of fire in 15 to 20 years. I, I'm just being honest. I don't want religious leaders telling our children and grandchildren they're not ladylike enough, so they have to wear makeup. Yeah. That's, that's insane. Stupid. And that's unacceptable. And I think unless we stand up and start identifying these bad systems that exist, we do nothing, we may get nothing in return. And they may fall prey to the same you know, yeah, issues that change. we went through. Yeah. All right, so we can kind of wrap up here. You got anything? Final thoughts, notes, questions, concerns, critiques? No. And I mean, just a lot of things you said. Um, educate yourself on things that maybe you wouldn't have normally educated yourself in. Um, yeah, and be aware. And, you know, try to see if you've been taught something that you just accepted or that you actually, or have you critically thought about it and why. Um you believe what you believe. Yep. And don't fall for the line of it's biblical. That is scary. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because I, I said it the other day. I don't think I put it on Facebook because I, I don't think I was ready for that conversation online. But I think I sent it to a couple friends. Uh, I said, just because something is biblical does not mean it's Jesus. You can yeah. use the Old Testament to say a lot of weird stuff if you want to. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's that story of um, <clears throat> the uh, those kids making fun of the guy because he was bald. Yeah. And then a bear attacked the kids and like mauled them. I think he yeah. killed them. You remember that story? Yeah. I, I can't remember where that's at in the Old Testament. Find that story if you ha- guys haven't heard like that one. It's like Elisha or Elijah or something. It might be because they called him like bald head or bald man or something yeah. like that. And a bear literally <laughs> f- comes out of the woods and mauls these children. It's a funny story. It's one of those weird stories in the Bible. But think about it. If I was a religious person who was going bald, let's just say I'm a crazy religious Christian <laughs> and I'm going bald, I could literally get up on a Sunday morning and use that story to tell children, God will send bears on you if you make fun of bald people. <laughs> now, what I would be saying could be biblical, but it's not necessarily Jesus or God. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, we can take anything we want out of the Bible and try to make a point with it. 
the filter and I'm not a huge fan of Bethel anymore. Um, I don't want to go through all that. I've just been disappointed more and more and more over the years, especially with some of the theology and things that have happened there. But I do love this quote by Bill Johnson. He said that Jesus is perfect theology. If you can't run your through, if your theology doesn't pass the sniff test of Jesus, if it doesn't go through him as a filter and come out the other side, it's not good theology. Yeah. So I think that I mean, would be... Especially considering translations and things like that. Yeah, and that's a whole other thing as far as right. like how the Bible is translated and things like that. But right. let's just say that story is accurately translated, and there's no issue with the bear mauling the kids. You wouldn't use that, though, right? Right. Like, you wouldn't use that as a talking point or a a behavior modification point in a I sermon mean, on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we wouldn't. I don't think rational Christians would. Right, right. But what I'm saying is you see how something simple like that could be twisted mm-hmm. and pushed to say, well, we don't make fun of bald people because when you make fun of bald people, bears God sends bears out of the woods and they'll kill your children. Be careful. Husbands, wives, protect your children because bears are coming for them if they make fun <laughs> of bald people. I can hear the Southern Baptist preacher preaching that yeah. right now in yeah. my brain. <laughs> and what's crazy is... People who are not super educated in their Bible could open that chapter, read that story and be like, well, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it's all there. Like the story is the story. You get what I'm saying? So we can't just say, oh, it's biblical. Yeah. Not everything that is biblical is Jesus. I'm not saying the Bible is fallible. What I'm saying is you, you could twist anything to make anything. Yeah. I don't think that story exists as a warning for children and bald people and bears. (laughs) <laughs> That's not what, that story for whatever reason it exists. I don't believe it's for that purpose. Yeah. But you could twist it into that. Now take all of the Bible, 66 books. Yeah. Take 66 books. I can't remember how many words I read it at one point. Take all the words in the Bible, shuffle them together and tell me you can't prove anything. Sure. You could, you could do it. Sure. So what we can't do as a respectable person who is actually trying to follow Jesus is say, just because my pastor said it's in the Bible does not mean it's Jesus. And we have oh, yeah. to be able to sift through these things. And yes, it's going to take work. And yes, you may have to push back a little bit. Um, but we just got to be careful what we accept as quote unquote biblical because we can twist things and humans have uh, indulgences, selling tickets to heaven. The church used the Bible to do it. Mm-hmm. Just saying there's a lot of crazy stuff out there. Um that the church uses that is not Jesus uh, to push people in different directions. So I'm ranting. Anything else you got at the end of this? Okay, cool. Well, I hope you're not in a cult. And if you are, (laughs) I hope you uh, identify that you are. And I hope that you get out. out. I hope (laughs) that you walk through that with tons of grace. And, you know, I wish I could tell you it's not going to be messy. I think that's the number one concern for people when they go through these processes. Like, I don't want to get messy. Man, it's messy. There's Mm -hmm. no way around it. You can't, what's the expression? You can't make some omelets without cracking some eggs. It just happens. It just, it's part of the process. But I do believe that it's a healthy process. I believe it's one that will have um, massive benefits to you. And I know you alluded to this, and I'll kind of end with this idea. I can't remember the last time outside of the past seven, eight, nine, ten years, however long it's been for me, where I slept better where I just lived a better life. Like I am totally at peace. doesn't mean the situations around me Mm -hmm. uh, aren't crazy and chaotic sometimes, but like I don't fear if God loves me anymore. I'm not worrying if, uh, you know, this particular action is going to send me to hell tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I'm not, I haven't let fear, manipulation, and control consume me 
Um, you know, when I was a kid, I used to hear a train go by, you know, when I was like eight, nine, ten years old, and I was so scared of the rapture and that I was going to miss it. Every time I heard a train, I thought it was the trumpets of heaven and it scared the crap out of me. I'm just being honest. Yeah. And I hear so many people like with that story, like they'd run into their parents room and like check if they were still there. Like yeah. that's, there's a Christianity that exists that breeds and lives off fear, manipulation mm-hmm. and control. And then I believe there's a Christianity that exists that breeds off love and hope and mercy and grace. And sometimes to get to that side, it's going to get a little messy. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we should be scared of the mess. The mess is part of the process. Maybe the mess looks like you walking away from your church. Maybe. I'm not, tell- I'm not telling anyone to do that. I'm saying, but maybe it looks like that. Maybe the mess looks like questioning some of the questionable teachings that your church, your pastor, or your denomination presents. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe um, the mess looks like you calling out systems of oppression that are hurting people. Maybe it's calling out biblical uh, you know, things that people say are biblical and they're not. I mean, it, the mess could be so many things. Maybe the mess is losing all your friends that, that are Christians right now, but they subscribe to these systems of oppression, spiritual yeah. oppression. Maybe that's the mess. It sucks. And I hate to see relationships hurt, but I mean, Jesus said it straight up. Like, would you follow me? Like, would you hate your mother and father to follow me? Brother will turn against brother. I mean, he, these are things that Jesus straight up said because he knew what he was presenting was so counter what everybody knew. He he understood you may have to walk away from some things. I mean, look at the disciples. He, there yeah. was no option. No. You're going to follow me? Walk away from everything you know, man. That's it. And I'm not saying that in 2022 that you have to go full disciple and like leave your family and like go on a you know, a pilgrimage into the Nevada desert to find Jesus. I mean, if that's what you got to do. That's what you got to do. But I guess what I'm saying is we can't be afraid of the, I don't want to say consequences, but we can't be afraid that things might get messy um, in order to find truth. I can almost guarantee you that if you're really searching for truth, it's going to get messy. There's no way around it. But all right. Anything else? I'm done. Nope. Okay. Well, I hope you guys have a good week. This is going to be, you know, this is part two. You already know that if you're listening to it. Um, I try to post our podcast on Mondays, but just keep an eye out because sometimes it goes different. Uh, Go to our YouTube channel if you haven't already. Um, We're trying to get that conversation going. I'm trying to do more shorts and things like that so people uh, like you who's listening right now uh, can jump in on the conversation. People, you know, maybe you're tuning in right now because you like to hear us talk, but uh, you have a voice. You have ideas, you have opinions, and I think this could be a really good and safe space to exercise some of those things. Mm So whether it's here on the podcast, whether it's on the YouTube channel, you can find us on TikTok or on Instagram, um, go there. And honestly, genuinely saying this, not as like a marketing ploy or like subscribe to my channel, like genuinely, we want to hear what you guys are thinking. We want to hear what your experiences are. We want to know what you're going through Uh, because at the end of the day, we want to build a community of people who... Um, can talk these things out. Yeah. You know, I can't offer you any hard concrete anything, but I can offer you an ear and maybe some coffee if you live close enough. And uh, I can offer you a community of people who are trying to do the same thing you're doing. And I think that's a good thing. So go to all those places, check us out, drop us a line, send us a private message if you want to. Um, But we want to know who you are. And uh, yeah, you guys are awesome. Anything else? No. Cool. All right. Well, I hope you guys have a good week. It's getting hot here in Florida, so I'm going to become a hermit again. But I hope it's cool where you are. And if it's not, turn up the AC. All right. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye.
Geo.